This is a Sport Australia podcast production. Hello and welcome to the Sport Governance podcast series. My name is Kate Corkery and I am the Director of Sport Governance and Strategy at Sport Australia. Over this series, we will take a deep dive into the sport governance principles and how they come to life in practice. Each podcast will focus on an individual principle with a special guest joining me to share their experiences and practical advice with respect to that principle. In today's episode, we're focusing on principle eight, the best and fairest, a system for ensuring integrity. An organisation should have measures and protocols to ensure integrity of the sport and safeguard its participants. To discuss the best and fairest, we are privileged to be joined by David Sharp, the CEO of the newly formed Sport Integrity Australia. Formed in July 2020, Sport Integrity Australia combines the existing functions of the Australian Sports Anti-Doping Authority, the National Integrity Unit in Sport, and the nationally focused integrity functions of Sport Australia. David is a former Assistant Commissioner of the Australian Federal Police and Rugby League player and administrator. David, thank you for joining me to discuss the best and fairest. Great, and thanks for having me. When we talk about integrity, uh, in your experience across your many roles, how would you define the word integrity? I mean, I've heard, heard the word integrity used in many forums and, and in many ways and interpreted in different ways. Um, we've seen the Wood Review that used a definition of integrity, but what I say um, is that integrity, if it doesn't look right or doesn't sound right, doesn't smell right, um, err on the side of caution and raise the issue as an integrity matter. And integrity in sport, is it only relevant at the elite level or is it, is it relevant all the way through to the community level? Integrity in sport is critical that it's addressed and understood from grassroots, from, from the starting of, of participants in sport, young children, right through to the elite levels. And what is the role of Sport Integrity Australia in terms of supporting organisations to implement frameworks which embed integrity in the, the thinking of the board and in the actions of the operations? Yeah, look, as a new agency that kicked off in July, um, we have a regulatory role, um, but our approach has not been from a policing perspective or a, a big stick regulation. It's been about um, helping sports understand their requirements, put in place policies and procedures, and be able to, to meet the requirements of those policies. And, and our view on that is um, that if we don't help sports understand complicated policies and implement them effectively, we failed, um, not the sport. So at the end of the day, um, it is our role to make sure sports understand the requirements of certain policies um, and to help them implement them effectively to protect sport. So what advice would you give a sport to develop a framework which is consistent with the requirements of Sport Integrity Australia? In one of the key bodies of work we've, we're working on now to deliver to sports is a national integrity framework which streamlines the approach to sport integrity threats. Um, and it, what it does, it sets out sort of the expectations um, for behaviours within the sports and, and participants, etc., and how to, how sports might better manage uh, those from a, you know reporting, investigating, or identifying breaches. Um, and what we're doing is delivering to sports. What we will deliver within the framework is deliver the the, the best practice policy templates that are streamlined and consistent across all sports. What that does is simplifies it, basically. There are so many policies and requirements of sports 
we want to take forward a framework so every sport can learn from each other, work with each other, but simplify it in a way that it's understood from grassroots right through to board level, um, understand the requirements. And, and, and in doing that, then sport can get on with the business of focusing on sport and participation. And we will, we will help with the frameworks to deal with the integrity issues. Examples of sport integrity issues that, that we've seen, you know, front and back page of the news here in Australia include match fixing and corruption, um, anti-doping, illicit substances, um, member protection, safeguarding children. I mean, they're just a few examples. What, what would you say to boards who say, no, no, I don't think we've got any integrity issues in our sport or any serious integrity issues in our sport? You know, there's a lot of things I'd say on the record and probably some things I'd say off the record to a board that takes that approach. Um, you know, I think um, boards need to have integrity embedded into their agenda of every meeting as a key, key risk and a key priority to address. It's like cyber security. Anyone, any board that tells me that cyber security is not a critical risk for that organisation and protecting athlete information um, certainly should reassess what role they play because protecting athlete information is one of the most critical things that a board could do and be responsible for. And cyber security is a big issue. Um, but it fits under that broader integrity banner as well. Um, you know, no one, um, no one is immune from the integrity threats that we're seeing around the world. Um, Australia has very much a, a very combined approach through law enforcement to sporting bodies to agencies such as ourselves to protect sport, and we do very well. But um, it'd be very naive of anyone to think that sports aren't vulnerable and aren't exposed. And the more we see um, resources at the highest levels of sports through targeting of these organised crime infiltration of sporting organisations in the national level, the more you will see organised crime or people trying to influence or, or, or um, get into the sports, well, it's more we'll see it pushed down to the lower levels where there's less um, integrity response, less uh, spotlight on those sports. Can you give us some examples of, of where we've seen in Australia um, an sort of an infiltration of organised crime, just to, to help the listeners to understand that you, you don't have to be a big organisation or, or a highly popular sport for, for this to happen? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's always publicised at the highest levels of, um, you know, organised crime motorcycle gangs hanging around high-profile professional athletes. You, you see that regularly. You see, you know, the, the drugs in sport, which... It's not around, you know, using of cocaine. It's where you actually get the cocaine from. Um, that, that is the issue that leaves a, an athlete exposed or vulnerable. But we've seen over the course of a, of a number of years, um, you know, recently we saw Victoria look at esports and um, uh, organised crime and match fixing within esports at a lower level. We've seen tennis. Tennis have, have done an amazing job in addressing integrity in this country, but down the lower levels as well, because we saw lower level um, uh, infiltration of, of match fixing in lower level country tennis tournaments at, at you know very young ages. So sport at all levels is exposed, and particularly some of the big issues, um, you know, in, in now in the in the technological world of streaming. Um, we see a lot of the non-professional sports being streamed all over the world. 
And wherever you've got streaming, you've got a market. And, and it'll be a, an illegal betting market on sports that you wouldn't expect. So there is a responsibility for everyone right across the board. And as I said, the more we, more the focus on the higher level, the more it will push down lower. So that highlights the importance of, of education and, and the role of the, the board and executives in developing and monitoring adherence to education for, for athletes, for participants and for stakeholders in regards to integrity rules, standards, uh, expected behaviours, disclosure. Uh, what resources or support can Sport Integrity Australia provide with respect to education? Yeah, look, education is critical in everything we do, um, in, in awareness for athletes and what supplements they're taking and, and what their behaviours are, and, and very much the same approach to the integrity framework that we'll roll out. Um, you know, in my three years previously at ASADA and now Sport Integrity Australia, it, it has been very clear to me that... Um, you know, a number of CEOs and a number of sporting boards aren't aware of the requirements of the policies that they sit on and they're responsible for implementing. Um, they aren't aware of some of the conditions and rules or, or, or requirements of those policies. Um, and that is why we're trying to bring all the policies together in a national integrity framework, simplify them, make them streamlined, but also when we roll them out, we will help the sports implement them and understand their requirements uh, under those policies. And, and that will be a very different understanding for an athlete within a sport, um, right through to a board member's requirements to understand, because the best thing we can do is have everyone understanding them and prepared for when the crisis hits, not after the crisis, because quite often when the crisis hits and there's a lack of understanding, We've seen these issues then played out publicly in the media because of the lack of understanding and comments that were made naively. Um, and all that serves to do is impact um, the mental health of an athlete by matters being dragged out publicly. So we certainly will be rolling out education and understanding at all levels of those policies so that people are pretty clear that when the crisis hits, we're ready to respond. You started um, in our first um, couple of questions around the integrity framework going beyond documents. So embedding that cultural practice throughout the organisation. When we talk about participation in sport, we want to know when our children participate in sport that it's a, a safe environment. Um, how can sporty organisations actively and openly pre uh, promote a culture of um, an environment being safe for children and vulnerable people? I don't like to put it in these terms, but if you talk about marketing and brand, uh, the best marketing for your sport is marketing the fact that your sport is safe. And if there is an issue, if something does arise, and it will, it will always in a sport, something will always come up, um, not trying to hide from it. Um, you know, from my experience, getting out on the front foot and saying, we've identified an issue, we've addressed that issue, and we are, you know, we're protecting our sport. What comes with that is confidence of sponsors, confidence of partners uh, to want to be in that sport because you're transparent. And, and I think that's one of the critical issues. And, you know, if I look at my involvement with, um, uh, say, 10-pin bowling, to give you an example, everyone focuses on big sports, but what 10-pin bowling did was quite incredible in their response, their transparent response to some child protection issues that they've had recently. Um, 
and the way they approached their policies around child protection and the way they proactively got on the front foot with their membership around those issues has been transparent. And in fact, um, you know, that is for me, 10 pin bowling is the model response in that it's open, transparent and sends a message, we will address the issues and we'll be transparent about that. And I think that's what's critical for sports to understand. So picking up there that there is a role for the board in reflecting and reviewing the experiences uh, in other sports when a breach of integrity occurs and identify those learnings um, and and take them forward as an opportunity to, to do better. Are you in a position where you've got um, within your team people who can share learnings or, or support boards um, through these issues? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we roll these out, we are, we are going to make a commitment to help sports implement them and understand their requirements through education, whether it be online or face-to-face. Um, and I think that's probably one of the, one of the most important things that, that we could do. But we're also, um, there are a number of forums where, uh, you know, so far I've been able to present to um, about 60 odd of the 98 CEOs that have policies. I've spoken personally to each one of them. I learn a lot from them, but there are also a number of forums where those CEOs come together. And they are really important because they're the networks that share experiences, share the learnings. And what we're trying to do is tie in to that, um, those sorts of networks and keep our framework streamlined and simplified so that the learnings, uh, you know, if, it, if it's a consistent approach across the board, the learnings will be different across the board, but they will be shared more broadly and, and you know, sports can get ahead of the game in understanding what the th- emerging threats are, what the threats in some sports are and how they might relate to others. So it's critical the CEO network um, the integrity networks and and, the, and all the sports are, are aligned with us. Excellent. Good advice. David, thank you for joining me to discuss the best and fairest today and, and best of luck embedding the important work of Sport Integrity Australia um, in, in 2021. Thank you and thanks for having me. If you'd like to access a copy of the Sport Governance Principles, you'll find them at the SportOz website, sportoz.gov.au forward slash governance. If you have any feedback or questions, please email us at sportsgovernance at ausport.gov.au. My name is Kate Corkery and I look forward to you joining me for the next podcast in the Sport Governance series.